on this fall equinox, with the just past full harvest moon still shining brightly, we're now in the early days of the second to last Trisina in the current 260-day cycle. This is the Men Trisina, also known as the Eagle Trisina, oriented around ideas such as high vision, strength, creativity, bravery, and even at times combativeness, particularly in the upper echelons of power, where the push for supremacy often plays out under this influence. We'll look into this further after I welcome you to episode 40 of Navigating the Energies of Life, a podcast that looks at how the energies of the Maya calendar are at work in the world and how they apply to daily lives. This is Marguerite Paquin continuing with this podcast to accompany my horoscope blog that tracks the days of this calendar. As always, we're working here with a calendrical system that has at its core 20 solar-based energies working in tandem with 13 unique numerical powers to create a cycle of 260 days that involves the interconnecting of these energies to create a count of days referred to in Yucatec Maya as a Sulcan. Within this 260-day cycle, there are 20 tracinas, or groups of 13 days, each of which has a particular theme or special set of energies that flow through. As I just mentioned, we're now in the men or eagle tracina, which began on Monday, September 20th. And we have been here before this year, as this was the first full Trisina in place early last January, just before Joe Biden's inauguration in the U.S. And we all know what was going on during that period. At that time, under the influence of this Trisina, there was a push for power in the U.S., the likes of which no one had ever seen before. I'm going to start with a quick review of this from the perspective of the Maya calendar. And the action really did begin on the first day, one men, which is an initiating energy associated with that push for supremacy idea. That was the day when the 117th U.S. Congress was sworn in, and Nancy Pelosi made history once again by securing a fourth term as Speaker of the House of Representatives. That was the day when the Washington Post published a transcript and audio tape that revealed that the then deceptor-in-chief in the White House had, the day before, quote, berated, begged, and threatened, unquote, Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find, 
exactly enough votes to overturn the results of the election in that state. The Washington Post noted that Raffensperger had responded that those assertions about voter fraud were simply not true. Journalist Carl Bernstein called this the ultimate smoking gun tape, far worse than Watergate, as this was evidence of an attempted coup. At that time, it was still possible to find shreds of decency and courage in Republican ranks, as former Speaker of the House Paul Ryan condemned efforts by a group of Republican lawmakers to reject the electoral votes from some states, saying that their efforts to try to disenfranchise millions of Americans and so doubt about Joe Biden's victory would do significant damage to American democracy. He left office after that, so his courage in speaking out didn't last long. On the following day, which was to keep a kind of balancing type of energy often associated with the restoration of order, Georgia's elections manager held a press conference during which he debunked all the false claims that the dumpster had made, stating that the spreading of such misinformation was an attempt to undermine Georgians' faith in the election system. That was the day when almost 200 of the country's top business leaders urged Congress to certify the electoral results for then-President-elect Biden, arguing that attempts to thwart or delay this process run counter to the essential tenets of democracy. It was the business community's most significant push to ensure that efforts to overturn the election were unsuccessful. The letter sent by this group was signed by executives of Fortune 500 companies and by leaders of banks, airlines, investment firms, pharmaceutical companies, professional sports leagues, real estate conglomerates, media companies, and top law firms. On the third day, two Democrats won two critically needed Senate seats, giving the Democrats control of the Senate. That was Maya Day 3 Caban, the activation of movement. Same energy as today as I speak, September 22nd. And that was when hundreds of dumpster supporters began amassing in Washington. Then came January 6th, on Maya Day for Etznab, a defining type of energy aligned with the flint-oriented, knife-edged, shock-and-awe energy of Etznab, which has the potential to bring sudden and sometimes shocking change. 
which is exactly what happened as unprecedented chaos broke out in Washington, D.C., in the form of that violent insurrection that broke out just as the joint session of Congress was in the process of confirming the Electoral College votes as a prerequisite to confirming Joe Biden as the 46th president. The images, of course, were all over the news. Lawmakers running for their lives as a frenzied mob smashed its way into the Capitol, battling with police and security officials for hours before it was finally subdued. The fallout continued through the rest of the Trusina, with more deaths occurring as a result of trauma suffered on that day, with a number of immediate resignations from the White House, with thousands of business leaders calling for the removal of the dumpster, with shocked reactions from countries around the world, and with the U.S. House of Representatives impeaching the dumpster for the second time through a bipartisan vote. Ten brave Republicans voted in favor. Overall, it was the largest number of votes ever for impeachment, 232 votes in total. But, of course, it still had to go to the Senate and we know what happened there. So, the energies that were in place at that time are what we are working with now. And, once again, it's crunch time. And back in Washington, again, the challenges are many. As this Tresina began on one men, under Monday's initiation of high-vision energy influence, Canadians headed for the polls where they voted the Liberals back in. So after a mercifully quick 36-day campaign, Justin Trudeau continues as Canada's Prime Minister. Under Tuesdays to keep Balancing influence oriented around that idea of restoring order, President Biden urged unity in his first UN speech, emphasizing that the U.S. is, quote, not seeking a new Cold War or a world divided into rigid blocks, unquote. He also emphasized that as the world is at an inflection point in history, there is an urgent need for countries to join forces to deal with threats such as climate change, the pandemic, and corruption. But for the rest of the Trisina, he and his party will be facing many significant challenges, including a potential government shutdown that could happen if Republicans keep blocking legislation in the Senate. Similarly, the level of intimidation still being directed at Republicans in Congress by the dumpster 
is creating a situation where they are now attempting to block all forms of legislation being put forward by Democrats, including their voting rights bill and their badly needed infrastructure bills. So something has to happen in order to overcome the stalemate. Meanwhile, thousands of Haitian refugees have been amassing on the border near Del Rio in Texas, camping in desperate conditions under a bridge, waiting to be processed by U.S. immigration authorities as they try to get into the U.S. And hundreds of additional Homeland Security personnel have been sent to deal with the situation. But it's not going well. A coalition of more than 38 civil rights and immigrant advocacy leaders sent the White House a letter last evening calling on Biden to immediately stop expulsions of Haitians. They described this moment as an inflection point for Biden's commitment to a humane immigration policy. The call is to stop the deportation flights and to find some way to process those seeking safety and asylum. A very difficult situation. All this, by the way, is developing almost one cycle exactly after something similar happened last January towards the end of this Tresina as a new migrant river from Honduras attempted to make its way to the U.S. Exactly the same thing happened at the beginning of this same Tresina in 2018 as the first groups of migrants from Central America reached the U.S.-Mexico border near Tijuana after walking for a month, covering some 2,700 miles. But now the crises in so many of those Central American countries and now Haiti is so acute that it's not just hundreds seeking asylum, but tens of thousands. At the same time, the pandemic rages on, with the U.S. now registering well over 43 million cases, with new daily case numbers and deaths climbing higher and higher. Over 2,200 people died in that country today from covid and the overall death toll is nearing 700,000 people. But even with all that, the battle between the vaccinated and unvaccinated continues on. What we have to keep in mind at this time, and I don't want to scare anyone here, and I will be speaking about some more positive things shortly, but I have spoken many times about the energy echoes that often come through as energies return. So what we have to keep in mind at this time is that 
in the past, some extremely shocking things have happened during this period along the lines of pushing for power, pushing for supremacy. This is the Tresina that carried that infamous day in October of 2016 that Rachel Maddow called one of the most insane and consequential news days in the history of the U.S. A Yahoo News article ran a headline at that time that read, 64 Days in October, How One Weekend Blew Up the Rules of American Politics. The Maya Day was 12 Kimi, a gathering together type of energy associated with death just before the end of the Tresina. And what happened on that day was, first, the declaration of a state of emergency in Florida as Category 3, Hurricane Matthew was approaching. Then, at 3 p.m., came an unprecedented statement from the Obama White House that warned that Russia was trying to actively interfere with the 2016 U.S. election. Remember that? An hour later came the Washington Post blockbuster report about the dumpster's revolting 2005 hot mic conversation with Billy Bush, also known as the Access Hollywood tapes. The New Yorker was reporting that this was the day when the dumpsters campaign was blowing up, quote, in a manner never witnessed before, unquote, deteriorating from critical to terminal. But then... Around 4.30 p.m. on that same day, WikiLeaks released a cache of stolen Clinton campaign emails that set off a whirlwind of speculation about what was going on there. The following day, it was reported that a rapidly growing number of Republicans were calling for the dumpster to step down from his candidacy and were withdrawing their endorsement of him. One headline said that Republican officials are stampeding away. All that was happening exactly seven cycles ago. Seven cycles. That's seven times 260 days over 1,800 days ago. And, well, there are no words to describe the carnage that has taken place since then, although many have tried. Bob Woodward has written three books about it, called one called Fear, one called Rage, and now Peril which was just released. 
Peril is the one that closely examines the last few weeks of the dumpster's time in office, spanning the 2020 election, the January 6th insurrection, and President Biden's inauguration. According to reports of the contents, the book reveals how that transition period was far more than just a domestic political crisis, but was, in essence, quote, one of the most dangerous periods in American history, unquote. And unfortunately, that peril is still out there because of the continuing campaign of intimidation that he has been waging on anyone and everything perceived to be a threat. As Robert Costa, the co-author of Peril, pointed out in an interview last night, even though there is zero evidence to support that big lie about the election supposedly being stolen, that lie is, quote, not some passing storm, it's the climate in the Republican Party, unquote. This is one of the most unfathomable periods in history from so many perspectives. How, after all the chaos and vileness and corruption and destruction and trashing of careers and death, how is it possible that someone like that can still be out there exerting such influence? That is the question of the day, of the month, of the year. So much carnage can be traced back to that one source and to its enablers. How is it possible that one person has been allowed to foment all that? The issue of accountability is the real problem, since, as Woodward and Costa point out, even if Republicans don't believe the claims, they have not been willing to counter him. Woodward emphasized that, quote, this was a subversion or an attempted subversion of democracy, and it never stopped, unquote. The final line of the book is that peril remains. So, this is a Tresina that has very, very often played a significant role in setting the direction for what happens next. Seemingly related to who and what is pushing the hardest and with what consequences. It's a Tresina that often presents opportunities for people to step up and do something about threats. But that also requires them to muster up both vision and bravery and to meet force with force. 
We shall see how this plays out at this time. But as I speak, we are again on the cusp of that knife-edged for its snub energy. One cycle exactly since January 6th. The day after is five kawak, which is more of a blessing kind of energy associated with the energy of storm, often a kind of stormy compassion type of force, a precision kind of energy that can stir emotions. This is when President Biden will have some high-level meetings with other world leaders. But politics aside, let's look at a few other events. During this Eagle Tristina, some high flyers that we all know and love will be spreading their wings and flying high once again. At the midpoint of this time period, 70 Mish, self-generating birth, the Rolling Stones kick off a new U.S. tour that will run for over two months. This will be their first tour with a new drummer and their first gig without Charlie Watts as Charlie departed from this earth plane in late August after being with them since 1963. And the legendary Genesis seems to be back as well as they kicked off their The Last Domino reunion tour in Birmingham on Monday night under that initiating one-man energy again. The full list of the days and energies can be found in my Maya calendar horoscope blog as always, but note that on 10 Khan, September 29th, related to foundational germination, often associated with opulence, we have World Heart Day and Michaelmas, the Feast of the Archangels. Another angel-related feast day comes in on the last day of the Tresina, the Feast of the Guardian Angels. And don't we need them all these days? Let's welcome them in and beseech them to show us how to work our way out of the unspeakable messes that we've created for ourselves. We could certainly use some assistance from the higher realms. On the 11th day, we have 11 Chik Chan, a transformational life force burner day that often signals a change in directions. We will have Canada's first national day for truth and reconciliation, also known as Orange Shirt Day, a national statutory holiday created to recognize and commemorate the roughly 150,000 First Nations, Inuit, and Métis children in Canada who were forced to attend and suffer terrible abuses imposed by church-run residential schools over a period of more than 120 years and the more than 4,000 children who are believed to have 
died in those schools. This is one of the calls to action put forward by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. This is the day to wear those orange shirts to show your support for the cause of helping First Nations people to be heard in this regard and to help support the healing process. My blog contains an image of a shirt that my husband created to provide the reminder that Métis children should also not be forgotten in this regard. There's a note on how you can contact him if you would like to have one. The last day of this Tresina brings in 13 Manique, which is October the 2nd. The transformational deer energy that could translate as transformational harmonization. This is the day when several prominent women will be inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame, including former First Lady Michelle Obama, yay Michelle, activist and educator Emily Holland, NASA mathematician Katherine Johnson, science fiction novelist Octavia E. Butler, artist Judy Chicago, and musician, author, and U.S. poet laureate Joy Harjo, a member of the Muscogee Nation, who is the first Native American to hold that position. Joy is also a singer, songwriter, flute player, and basically all-round artist. One of her poetry books is called How We Became Human. Since there is such a lack of humanity these days, it might be helpful to stop and reflect on things like this these days. I've included a link to an interview from 2012 where Joy speaks about the power of words and how we all make our paths with our words, something that has become so very, very evident over the past few years. Her poem, To Get Rid of Fear, which she reads in that interview, is something to ponder in this regard. And since there is that lovely celebration of women at this time, I want to finish with a look at another couple of amazing women. Women warriors who were born within this time frame. Just for fun and for a point of comparison, let's look at two who were both born under the influence of 8 Eek, which is the resurrection of wind, breath, and spirit, which as with all the other days during this period, is also influenced by eagle energy. The first one, known as the Creole goddess and Black Venus of France, has also been referred to as the Siren of the Resistance. This was jazz entertainer Josephine Baker, who was born in Missouri 
and got into show business early as a vaudeville dancer. At age 19, she moved to France, where she became a French national and a highly successful exotic dancer, singer, and film star, the first black woman to star in a major motion picture. But she really became a warrior at the start of World War II, as she took refugees fleeing from the Nazis into her chateau in the south of France and began working with French counter-military intelligence. The National World War II Museum tells us that, quote, Josephine housed resistance fighters at her chateau and supplied them with visas. She attended parties and diplomatic functions, including parties at the Italian embassy, that brought her into the orbit of high-ranking Axis bureaucrats. She collected information on German troop movements and information on what harbors or airfields were in action. Unquote. As the museum notes, she was quote, confident that her celebrity and connections would protect her and that no one would suspect her of espionage. She wrote down intelligence on her hands and arms, pinning notes inside her underwear. She did so knowing she would never face a strip search. And she was right. Unquote. Eventually, the Nazis got wind of the resistance activity happening at Josephine's chateau and visited the estate but she managed to successfully charm the Nazis when they questioned her. As she saw this close encounter as a sign that it was time to leave France, she was instructed to get to London, along with the head of the counterintelligence movement. They made their escape, carrying classified documents and secret intelligence. Josephine was particularly clever in this regard as she wrote the information down in invisible ink on her sheet music. Following D-Day and the liberation of Paris, she returned to Paris and after seeing the terrible conditions endured by many French people during the Nazi occupation, she sold pieces of her jewelry and other valuables to raise money to buy food and coal for Parisian citizens. After Germany's surrender in 1945, General de Gaulle awarded her with the Croix de Guerre and the Rosette de la Résistance. He also named her a Chevalier de Légion d'Honneur, the highest order of merit for military and civil action. As the museum points out, she became much more than a popular dancer and jazz singer who, quote, vaulted racial barriers and achieved the highest levels of celebrity, unquote. She was a force of nature, 
whose achievements became a shield behind which she could fight the horrors of the Nazi regime. Although based in France, Josephine also supported the civil rights movement in the U.S. during the 1950s and was eventually presented with a life membership with the NAACP. In 1963, she spoke at the March on Washington at the side of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., at which time she said, quote, I have walked into the palaces of kings and queens and into the houses of presidents and much more. But I could not walk into a hotel in America and get a cup of coffee, and that made me mad. And when I get mad, you know that I open my big mouth, and then look out, because when Josephine opens her mouth, they hear it all over the world. Apparently, after King's assassination, his widow, Coretta Scott King approached Josephine in the Netherlands to ask if she would take her husband's place as leader of the civil rights movement. But Josephine declined, instead turning her attention to the adoption of children. Josephine died in Paris in 1975, followed by a funeral that attracted more than 20,000 mourners. The French government honored her with a 21-gun salute, making her the first American woman buried in France with military honors. But her story is not over, as just a few weeks ago it was announced that on November 30th of this year, her remains will be interred at the Pantheon Monument in Paris, making her the first black woman to receive France's highest honor. The Pantheon is the resting place of luminaries such as scientist Marie Curie, French philosopher Voltaire, and famed writer Victor Hugo. Josephine Baker will become the sixth woman to be honored with a Pantheon burial and will also be the first entertainer to be so honored. Side note is that apparently much of this November's ceremony will be symbolic and her body will actually remain in Monaco where she's currently interred and a plaque will be installed at the Pantheon. But overall, this is an amazing story of an eight-eek warrior woman who used her wind-breath-spirit-birth energy, aided by the eagle, Trisina, to fly high and make a huge contribution to the world. Another very impressive warrior woman, born under the same eight-eek day sign influence and sharing several other factors in her overall Maya calendar energy array is singer-songwriter 
Patti Smith, born 40 years after Josephine. Often referred to as the punk poet laureate, Patti has also been honored by France when she was named a commander of the Ordre des Arts et des Lettres by the French Ministry of Culture in 2005, two years before she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's often referred to as a musical maverick, with her music described as potent, heady, and uncompromising, as can be heard so clearly in her People Have the Power song with its driving beat and lyrics such as I believe everything we dream can come to pass through our union. We can turn the world around. We can turn the Earth's revolution. We have the power. People have the power. The people have the power. The people have the power. The power to dream, to rule, to wrestle the world from fools. It's decreed the people rule. It's decreed the people rule. We have the power. People have the power. We have the power. Her performance of the song itself can be seen via the YouTube link that I've included in the post. She's an interesting writer, penning lines that reflect so many of the times that we've lived through. Having known and worked with so many of the prominent poets and rock stars of the past five decades or so, Patty's words often get right to the point, as in her description of Bob Dylan, written in 1993. Quote, Dylan was somebody to be with, somebody to be. He gave voice to my yearnings. His urgency, his awkwardness matched my own. I adopted his walk, his wayfarers and his tarantula look with just the right white tab collars and black jacket, which he probably adopted from Baudelaire. I borrowed from him as he borrowed from others. I recognized him as one who had searched and suffered himself, who had taken another poet's name. He reflected Guthrie and Ginsburg and a little of us all." Unquote. As I mentioned, both Josephine and Patty were born under the influence of eight eek and share many other joint energy influences. It's often quite informative to look at people who are closely aligned energetically to see how they use the energies that they were born with. Often we see similar things happening. For anyone who might want me to help them explore this kind of thing as it applies to your own lives, feel free to contact me and we can work out a personal approach to exploring this. This can be done on either a small scale or large scale, depending on your interests. 
Feel free if you wish to contact me if you have any questions. Contact information is in my websites, whitepuppress.ca and mayacalendararts.com, along with information on subscribing to the Horoscope blog. As always, a listing of all the days within this Tristina can be found in my Maya Count of Days horoscope blog. Getting back to Patty Smith for a moment, a little further on in the same passage where she made that comment about Dylan in a work called We Can Be Heroes, she recalled watching him on a PBS special where she said that as he sang, she felt all the emotions of all the years crystallize into one single revelation. She asked herself, what had I derived from him and others like him? besides the ability to choose just the right dark glasses? The answer was the ability to fend for myself. Patty is now 74 years old, and like so many of her generation, she continues to rock on. Go get him, Patty. You're needed as much as ever especially to keep reminding the people that they have the power to dream, to rule, and to wrestle the world from fools. Let's take her advice and get on with it. Until next time, be well, keep safe, love to all.